A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Story the Doctor Told by Hal Oren Cummins This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Story the Doctor Told by Hal Oren Cummins To begin with, let me say that I am not a storyteller. Neither can I make fine phrases, nor coin strange words which shall delight the ear. I am only a country doctor, getting well along in years and i write this tale only because i promised richard crewe so to do as i held his feverish hand while he lay and tossed in pain and prayed for a death that would not come so without further excuse or apology let me begin richard crewe was the only son of sir davies crewe distinguished as artist soldier and scholar his mother anne sergeant was the fairest Englishwoman it has ever been my privilege to know. Of money there was a plenty on both sides, so when the young lad Richard reached his eighteenth year, and under his father's careful teaching showed a decided taste for painting, he was sent forthwith to Paris, and placed under the best master that gold could procure. As family physician of the crews, I was somewhat of a privileged character at Redfern, as the old estate was called, and many an evening have I spent with old Sir Davies, playing chess or listening to his tales of a life full of strange experiences. It was I who helped young Richard to first blink his large blue eyes on this world, and who attended him through his trials of teething, measles, and all the other evils to which childhood is heir. It was my hand also which reverently closed the eyes of Lady Anne after a short illness, the very year that Richard went to Paris. Sir Davies never recovered from the shock of his wife's death, and what with brooding over her loss, shutting himself up in his room, and neglecting the exercise that a man of his physique always requires i was deeply grieved but not surprised when bingham the head butler came down to the house one evening to inform me that sir davies had died in an apoplectic fit during dinner it is a bad thing for most boys who are about to come of age to fall heir to a lot of money but when that boy is a student in the latin quarter of paris is fair to look upon popular with his set and generous to a fault the result can be imagined for the next three years i saw very little of richard he came to redfern only occasionally in the summer and then he was always accompanied by a gay crowd of his paris associates artists like himself scribblers for some paris sheet and the hangers-on invariably to be found in the train of the rich young man these visits to his old home became rarer and rarer for which the country people around were very glad 
for they had developed into little better than riotous orgies when nights for weeks at a time were spent in carousals and the days in resting up only for another night exercising what i considered my right as an old friend of the family i called one morning at redfern to remonstrate with the boy but i came away sorry that i had made the attempt it was hard to imagine that the dissipated young wreck with trembling hands and swollen bloodshot eyes was the same lad whom i saw on the morning of his journey to paris as he whirled by on the coach and waved his cap to me in farewell it was the same sad old story wine women and song and then more wine and more women and for seven long years the son of my dear old friend lived the life that is worse than death and then came back to redfern with the seal of sin upon his brow only once did i see him that summer after my morning call then i was called up at two in the morning by a young man in austrian uniform who half drunk himself begged me in a maudlin way to come up to the house for young crew was down with the jumps as he called it i went with him of course and found richard in the old banquet room with a motley crowd of men and women bending over him as he lay stretched out on the couch i have seen many men in my life who have drunk too much and are tasting that bitter after-draught by which an abused system avenges itself and i looked to find a far different sight from that which met my eyes as they made room for me about the couch in the white drawn face before me there was nothing but fear not ordinary healthy fear such as every man at times experiences but a kind of speechless horror and his eyes as they turned toward me had in them the fathomless misery of a lost soul his lips moved and i heard him pleading faintly with somebody or something to go away and leave him for a little while but as entreaties did no good he tried to bribe the thing and offered a thousand ten thousand pounds to be left in peace then as nothing seemed to avail his voice rose to a frenzied scream and he cursed the thing that haunted him the god that made him yes and the mother who bore him at last worn out and exhausted he sank back to the floor and i succeeded in getting him into a fitful sleep while that crowd of tawdry painted women and drunken men crept past him out of the room with all the laughter gone from their faces the next day i was surprised by a visit from the young man who as might be expected of one in his position was thoroughly frightened i explained to him as a man of medicine just what his condition the night before meant and he promised solemnly and of his own accord not to touch anything more for a year then he told me what he had seen the night before for strange to say he remembered perfectly all he had been through as he lay there he said he could see across the room slowly forming itself out of nothing and yet having a frightful form 
some hideous thing which neither man nor beast and yet resembling both approached slowly grinning at him he could not describe it more definitely for he had not learned to know it as he afterwards did all that i could find out was that it was a great flabby creature that waddled as it walked and though it had a face it was not like anything he had ever seen as regards this pledge to me i think he kept it for i heard indirectly from him several times during the year and the report was always good he was back again in paris but had given up all his old companions and was working faithfully that year one of his pictures received a prize in the salon and he was prophesied a great future i was away during the next year and a half looking up interests of mine in america and heard little that was going on among my own people on the evening of my return to our village therefore i was surprised to see the big house at redfern gaily illuminated and was told by the servants that there had been bad doings up at the hill for many a day the temptations of the old life had been too strong he had gathered his all too willing crowd of former associates around him and was celebrating with all the pent-up passion of a roue who has walked in the narrow path for nearly a year he was sick with his old trouble twice that month and both times for old friendship's sake i did what i could for him but i saw there must come an end before many months but such an end flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company united healthcare insurance plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more one of these plans may be right for you if you're say between jobs coming off your parents plan turning a side hustle into a full hustle or even missed open enrollment want more flexibility find out more about united healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com i was surprised one day to hear the servants talking in the next room for they said that all the crowd at redfern had left for the city that morning with the exception of master richard who was shut up in his room working all day like mad on some picture and drinking furiously at night the end of it all came one night two weeks later about ten o'clock in the evening when one of the maids came down to my house white and trembling to tell me that master richard was down with the horrors again worse than ever and would i please come up as quick as possible i hurried on a hat and coat and followed her up the hill as we turned in at the little gate in the garden i was startled by a shriek so terrible that i turned to the trembling maid questioningly that's the way he's been at it for an hour sir she whispered and her teeth chattered as she spoke though the night was not cold she left me at the door of his room and i went in alone at first i could see nothing for the light was turned down but from the bed there came a low moaning noise then suddenly the clothes were thrown aside and god help me i saw a face the like of which i pray i may never see again i have doctored many men in my time 
and I have seen some sights that are not nice to think about. But never have I seen such nameless horror, such uncontrollable fear, as looked at me from the eyes of that man. He stood there for a moment, gibbering and making strange noises like a beast, and then, jumping from the bed, he ran to a piece of canvas, standing against the wall and covered by a thick drapery. He pulled the cover aside a little way, and peeped fearfully behind. Then, in a very paroxysm of terror, he ran, shrieking and screaming, to the bed. He buried himself under the clothes, and I could hear him, sobbing and moaning again, as when I first came in. There is to me something inexpressibly pitiful in the sight of a man in tears, and yet I had to stay there for three mortal hours and watch that man. Always the same programme, the look behind the drapery, and then that horrible fright which in a few minutes was followed by another look. Toward two in the morning he quieted down suddenly, and I went and sat by the bedside, trying to soothe him to sleep, but he wanted to talk. I am almost done for, doctor, he whispered, but I have finished it, and it has finished me. I have lived a bad life, a very bad life, but on the canvas behind that drapery is the thing God sent me to avenge my wasted life, and when I am gone and you see what it is that I have lived with for the last two years, you will believe me when I say that I do not fear the terrors of any hell hereafter. He broke off suddenly and glanced fearfully about the room, but, as if reassured by the pressure of my hand, he continued, I lived straight for over a year after the pledge I made you, the night of my first trouble. I left all the old companions and worked hard. You saw the notice of my picture? he asked eagerly, and I nodded. During that year I met a woman who was the very type of all that is pure and innocent, and I even dared to think that sometime after I had lived down my frightful past, I might make her my wife. But one day, as I was straining my eyes to catch the last light of the fading afternoon, I chanced to glance over the canvas, and my God, there, creeping out of the darkness, was that hideous thing. I was unconscious for several hours, but when I came to myself, I consulted the best physician in Paris, and was under his care for over a month, but it was of no use. Since that day, it has followed me everywhere, day and night. I tried to drown it in drink, and it only came the oftener. Then I sent the crowd home, and resolved to paint a likeness of the thing, to have always with me, so as to accustom myself to it. But it was too awful. His voice trailed off into a shuddering whisper. I tried to turn his thoughts to pleasant things, and at last he began to talk of his childhood, and how he used to ride about the country in the little pony chaise with his mother, 
and the children of the village called him young master dick then even as i watched him i saw creeping into his face again that nameless horror the pupils of his eyes grew larger and larger till you could scarcely see the blue the sweat of fear started from his forehead in huge drops and in less time than it takes to tell he was again a madman he jumped to his feet and stood there for a minute his knees knocking drunkenly together and his teeth rattling like a pair of castanets while his eyes stared straight ahead of him at the bare wall and then he started for the picture again but he never reached it god in his mercy spared him the agony of that last look and he fell forward one hand clutching the drapery which went down with him to the floor and left me staring at the thing it had covered i looked and something dragged me nearer for painted on the canvas i saw an evil formless thing which made my blood run cold it might have been a man for it stood upon two feet and had arms and a head and yet thank god it was no man or it might have been a devil for if ever an imp of hell looked down from canvas it must have had a face like that yet there were no definite outlines to it when you tried to place a certain contour it faded off into the sombre background and all that remained was the head a great flabby thing without any nose which looked down at you and grinned horribly if that was the demon which had haunted richard crewe's fevered and disordered brain for two long years i thanked my god that i was not a drinking man i looked again and could not turn my eyes away then as i looked i felt that indescribable sickening fear coming over me that i had read in the dead man's eyes the grinning thing seemed to be moving slowly i could see the rocking motion of the body as it waddled towards me by a mighty effort of the will i tore myself from the spot and seizing a french duelling sword that hung on the wall i hacked and cut that leering face till only an empty frame remained with a few clinging shreds of tattered canvas end of the story the doctor told